This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 105. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hey, all right. So today we're going to talk about the pluralities of happiness. And what is that about? Well, my goal today is to broaden your view of what happiness and its sources are and how you can let it unfold in your life in more diverse ways than we might usually think about. Um, to me, happiness was always something that comes in different flavors. Um, the happiness of hugging a person I love, the happiness I felt while studying something exciting, or the happiness of scoring the match-winning goal fit just as comfortably with my definition of happiness as the happiness I felt working on something that could hopefully make a difference in the world. Uh, Then I got to university and learned that some scientists defined happiness like a mathematical formula. Um, If your positive emotions are uh, higher than your negative emotions, you're good, um, or something along those lines. And... um, that's when the kind of the penny dropped for me, why people could argue so passionately about happiness, because they were simply not talking about the same thing. So when I think back to my own life, uh, I can tell my main sources of happiness differed wildly depending on the year I was living in, right? So in times when school was difficult for me as a kid, uh, a big part of our The majority of my uh, happiness came from friendships and playing soccer uh, at every recess after school and on the weekends. Um, Then there were, of course, um, obsessions that I had, like when I wanted to become a zoologist as a kid. At that time, my happiness came from regular visits to the zoo and reading everything about big cats and wolves. And later, of course, studying psychology, um, one of my obsessions was also where I felt incredibly happy delving into it was getting to learn a little bit more about Jewish culture um, and stuff like that. So there, there are more, this, these are just a couple of um, examples to get you started. So happiness, we talk about it as if it were a singular noun, right? So happiness, like it's this one thing. And Actually, probably it would be more helpful if we talked about it like happinesses. Now, uh, for those of you who like the Lord of the Rings, yes, that probably sounded a little bit like Gollum. Um, But I think if we thought about it as happinesses, uh, people wouldn't get so hung up um, if a particular kind of um, happiness is somehow beyond them. We can get really fixated on a particular uh, brand of happiness that might seem out of reach or that we lost. We might have had it before, but we don't have it anymore. Then um, that can make us kind of value the happiness that we can't have over the happinesses that are available to us at this very moment. And that is, of course, what gratitude is about. And if you don't learn how to use that in your life, you can't win because your heart will always be yearning for a happiness you either don't have or you lost. Um, By embracing the idea of multiple happinesses, we can relax and be a little bit more open to a variety of pleasurable, interesting, and potentially meaningful experiences. 
And this not only takes the pressure off ourselves, it's also a relief for those around us. Um, because if we're not happy or if we think our happiness needs to come from uh, our family or our marriage or whatever it is, um, we put a lot of pressure on other people because even if we're not aware of it, we kind of expect them to deliver our happiness. Now, I'm not saying that some transitions aren't hard, right? So if you break up with someone or someone uh, something else prevents you from your most frequently accessed source of happiness, um, that can be incredibly painful. And I'm not saying you shouldn't feel this pain or that this pain is abnormal. All that I'm saying is that if we broaden our view of what happiness is and where it comes from, uh, we can just be a little bit more cool and accepting with what's happening and be ready to enjoy what's happening. What makes loss um, or these trans transitions infinitely less painful is if we don't buy into the idea that this flavor of happiness will never happen again or that it is the only true happiness or something like that. I want you to think about what different kinds of happiness you have experienced across your life. Um, if you're so inclined, you could even write it down, you know, you can even stop right now and just make a few notes because there's something about taking notes um, as opposed to just thinking it through in our head and leaving it in our head. Um, I hope that you can connect on an emotional level to the different kinds of happiness you feel. And the reason I'm saying that is that there are some things that we're expected to say, right? We're, we're expected to say that we are grateful for our health or, or whatever it is or for our jobs. And, and that's not the same as actually feeling some kind of positive emotion around something, right? So I want you to think less about what the world expects you to be happy about and more about things that are emotionally resonant with you. Another aspect uh, that is important about happiness is that it pays off to broaden some of the sometimes very narrow ideas about what happiness is and where it should come from. Um, we often focus lots of energy on the emotions of excitement or joy and forget things like contentment or surprise, which in themselves are delightful. Being able to appreciate a whole range of different emotions, which are not always linked to happiness, can bring a great deal of joy into a life which is basically just waiting around the corner for us to open our eyes. Similarly, you don't need to get your physical contact only from the person you have a sexual relationship with. This is a big, big topic. Um, we are a society that is starved for touch and hugs that last longer than six se uh, seconds lead to the body secreting oxytocin, which is sometimes called the um, the love hormone, though I think it should be called the bonding hormone. Um, why limit that to only one or two people in the world? Um, that, that doesn't make sense. And before you freak out, I'm not talking promiscuity. I'm not talking anything gross. I'm just talking about this idea that actually the people around us, um, we can, we all need these things and we can do more about that for each other. So let's talk about a couple of different kinds of happiness next. So I will not use the scientific distinction between hedonic and eudaimonic happiness because 
For our purposes, they're still too narrow, and also I have covered those in previous episodes. So I want to give you something new, but um, these are not, you know, these are my terms. These are not necessarily terms that you can Google and then something um, meaningful or scientific will come up. So um, one that I like to start with is um, accidental happiness. So not too long ago, I was staying at an Airbnb in Bristol. Um, I was alone in my room with the door open and my host had gone out. Suddenly my iPod, no, my iPad, I don't, not my iPod, my iPad went off blasting joy to the world. You, you have to imagine it was um, May, it was about, you know, th- I don't know, like 25 degrees Celsius. And and I got pretty freaked out running around exclaiming, what the, f-? and frantically trying to make it stop. Uh, but I didn't know what app or website it was coming from because I knew I didn't have this song um, or any other music for that matter on my iPad. Um, so at this precise moment, my host walked in and I totally lose my call in a way that is very unusual for me. And I just said to him, like, did you hack into my iPad? And, and you look like you have the brains to do that. <laughs> and, and, and poor bloke, you know, just, he was just stammering, um, er, what is happening? Uh, no, I did not. Um, I explained the situation to him and he managed to make it stop. And later it occurred to me. Uh, just how utterly ridiculous my claim was. Um, why would he hack into an iPad he didn't know I possessed just to play a Christmas song, you know, in, in early summer? Um, it makes no sense. And I still have to grin about it. Uh, total accident, accidental happiness just there. Also, in case you got worried about the guy, we ended up chatting, had a great time and have um, given each other great reviews. So all is good. Um, he wasn't too freaked out. Uh, I want to start uh, with accidental happiness because I think it gets pushed to the wayside too much. Um, now, don't go searching for research on accidental happiness. Again, uh, I made this term up because I think it's one of the most neglected kinds of happiness. And I think sometimes we have to make up terms uh, to talk about something because otherwise it's evasive and elusive and it, it, it it's, it's hard to pin down, right? Um, other sources of accidental happiness uh, might include short moments with strangers, um, chance encounters with loved ones and other peeps alike, and following the rabbit down the rabbit hole and seeing where it leads you. Accidental happiness requires space, a certain openness, and the ability to expect nothing but um, treasure the smallest things. Now, many of us have very have a very specific and overloaded schedule. We don't see how we could fit in just making space for nothing special or nothing that is not watching Netflix or just staring um at the walls at home, right? So while I acknowledge that some people really have extremely challenging schedules, I do contend that a lot of the things that we can get ourselves in a tizzy about don't matter that much. Um, Your kids are not gonna end up um, looking like sumo wrestlers if you don't um, cook and bake every single meal um, every day, right? So learning to set boundaries would solve a lot of our time management issues. And once we understand that our inbox, for example, another um, place that um, leads to people being uh, pressured and and that sucks away time, um, the inbox will always 
be full of other people's demands. And you might as well sometimes get to do something you want to do because once you get back, those emails are still waiting for you, right? Um, what I mean by this is that, of course, while you're working, that's precisely what you should do. And um, how many people take the lunch break, for example, at their desk or think about issues and to-dos when they're not in the position to do anything about it, right? So, so just for me to reiterate, I don't propose people going to the office and um, or any other job and they're just neglecting their emails or anything. All I'm saying is that we have a tendency to take these things, um, either mentally or on our mobile phones, around with us um, when we're not supposed to be looking at it at all. So you might as well open yourself up to some accidental happiness by actually looking at the world and looking around you on your lunch break and actually going out. Another important aspect uh, to understand is that little accidental moments of happiness can energize us, which could give us a boost to do the stuff that we really need to do, right? So sometimes we think like, oh, I don't have the time to do these self-care things or to free up time for accidental happiness. But actually, um, one reason why a lot of many of us are, are often very depleted is precisely because we don't fit enough of activities in there which kind of mentally psychologically and emotionally recharge us and i think these moments of accidental happiness while they can't be expected they can be a bit engineered for i would say what moments of accidental happiness have you enjoyed in the past? Um, ideally in the recent past, uh, why don't you think about that? Then there's something I like to call appreciative happiness. And when we hear the word appreciation, we might think of high-minded things like uh, a majestic mountain range or um, you know, appreciating the creation of the universe or um, health itself and, and how you know, how fantastically amazing our bodies are, for example. But we can actually appreciate almost anything actively if we intentionally try to do that. So if I, a few months ago, I started re-watching some old um, sitcoms um, during breakfast and um, starting my day with uh, Blanche Devereaux or um, Nanny Fine has put me in quite a lighthearted mood. Um, more often than not, I, I realize that when I wake up, I wake up like a good neutral Swiss person. And that means my mood can go either way. And if I watch a little bit about the nanny or, or, or Golden Girls or whatever it is that I want to watch or listen to, um, that really makes a difference. So some other sources of appreciative happiness might include uh, relationships, of course, uh, sitcoms, as I said, music, nature, art, food. And, you know, maybe you, when you heard this, you thought about some other sources of happiness. I don't know, uh, maybe your pets or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But keep your eyes peeled for those moments of appreciative happiness. And if they don't come along very often in life, make sure to make some time for them as well. For lack of a better expression, I termed the next kind of happiness just weird happiness. So some incredibly mundane or even disgusting things have the potential to bring an odd sense of contentment that is thoroughly um, unrelated to the actual achievement. Now, if you're confused, um, you know, I'll explain. If you have Puritan sensibilities and can't deal with a bit of toilet talk, 
Um, just skip ahead a minute or two. Uh, it will be over then. But, you know, isn't it weird how plucking out like a little hair that's not like a rogue hair that's not supposed to be somewhere or that's gray and um, an otherwise sea of perfect uh, brown hair, luscious, of course, um, that that. I don't know why that is, but it gives me like this strange sense of achievement. And I know I'm not by myself because there are some very strange YouTube videos that I'm proud to say that I didn't check them out, but I've seen that they exist. And um, the author, Bill Bryson, once wrote about how he spent a curiously contented hour meditatively trying to remove dog shit from his shoes as a boy. And, um, you know, this might be real TMI, but, you know... I'm warning you, so get away if you're scared of that. So yeah, my mom just the other day, um, she she kind of caught a glimpse of me lounging, as she, she calls it, on the toilet. And she just <laughs> remarked how bizarrely happy I was looking there, sitting there as if I was on a lazy boy. And um, she informed me in a very bewildered tone that she has never sat on the toilet like that in her whole life. Um, yes, that's my mom. So to all of you weirdos who enjoy these strange or gross but very harmless pleasures, go for it and uh, savor every minute. Next, uh, a little more serious one, relational happiness. Um, and when it comes to relationships, I feel that we have erected a lot of extremely unnecessary boxes. And if someone doesn't fit in, uh, it results in a lot of, in my opinion, unnecessary pain, right? So let me just go on a little tangent here. Um, there is pain that is inevitable and that is part of being a human, right? So that pain is the pain of loss, the pain of, of physical pain, uh, you know, being diagnosed with illnesses, um, severe disappointments when we, when we maybe don't end up um, getting or having something that we really set our mind or heart to. And that is kind of real actual pain. But to me, pointless or unnecessary pain and that's the kind of pain that I think is totally um, that we can totally avoid and that's unnecessary and kind of holds us back is the pain that comes from believing in made-up norms um, and rules that that just do not you know maybe they're not timely anymore maybe they they never made sense to begin with uh sometimes something did make sense historically but now it doesn't and by just kind of excluding each other um or just saying like oh only this is beautiful or only this is good we just create a lot of unnecessary pain and and i think that's something that all of us can contribute to to making the world a better place by by tackling that um, so you know how small children can elicit this feeling of cuteness overload. Um, when you, I just spent uh, a, a few days with my little um, cousins, and and I mean they are so cute. They just, they just, it, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, and why don't we let adults um, feel that way about other adults? You know, there there are some things, some little mannerisms, some little things that people say, sometimes some little mistake or error reveals something that's actually incredibly endearing about other grown-up people, you know. Um, yes, it's safe to adore and to admire how cute 
children and puppies are. And it's probably also easier because we kind of immediately recognize it. But if we make an effort to 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 glimpse like those little these little kinds of sweetness or these little things that might you know reveal a certain innocence about a person or another good quality, that is something that that where we can really make each other happy in in ways that cost almost nothing. Um, why don't we permit ourselves to do that? beyond the people we have, you know, romantic or sexual feelings for. It makes it makes no sense. It just doesn't. And why is it so weird to enjoy um, very thoroughly some aspect of someone uh, and have the confidence to share it? You know, it's it's kind of sad that every, every time you, you spot something that's cute, you kind of have to think like, oh, uh, will they think I'm coming on to them or some bullshit like that? Like, like let's just stop that. You know, like, 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 let's just become more the kind of people who who compliment and recognize people on, on cute little things that they do or say. And and if we do this abundantly, it's very clear that we're not sexually attracted to everyone. Right. I mean, so so let's get cracking on that. Romance is another interesting topic. Um, somehow we decided collectively that you can only be romantic towards the person you have sexual feelings for. Why? It's such an unnecessary limitation that not only deprives us from lots of magic connection, but puts added pressure on the partner we are with, you know, if we have one. Um, And of course, it puts more pressure on people who are single. So who is this romance police and what are we so afraid of? Why can't we write a little poem to a friend or um, bring them flowers or something and, and just cultivate the kind of sweetness you know what's so wrong about that how 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 does it contradict you know i understand that it's jarring because you know a lot of times we're so wrapped up with our anxieties but i'm kind of going on a whim here and betting that if we do more of that that would actually help us get some perspective um and wrap our heads around you know a lot of common anxieties that we have otherwise because our brain is just simply busy doing something that's actually nice and cute and romantic but yet doesn't always have to bring the sex into it so every once in a while i have a true deep and heart-to-heart um conversation with someone I work with this was just a couple of days ago and I don't mean people who are my friends outside of work all right that's that's nothing out of the ordinary if we become friends anyway then of course we have deep conversations but recently me and a former colleague ended up having a super long lunch because we started talking about spirituality and and this is someone who you know I've known for a long time but we have never done anything in our spare time together ever uh we we don't I haven't really seen a lot or talked to him a lot in the last two or three years although he works pretty closely physically to where I work and I think we just, you know, we constantly worry about getting promoted and how we appear to others. And this is, this is kind of makes it impossible to be vulnerable because we're always scared that somebody could use that against us in some way. And sure, there are some places where that makes sense to keep yourself, uh, to keep to yourself, right? Because you actually work with people who are mani- manipulative. So I'm not saying like, oh, do this hippy dippy approach everywhere you go. Of course not. But like, I bet there are some decent, normal human beings working 
somewhere, maybe not in your team, but maybe in the same building or something, who, you know, you don't know them well, and you have no idea what they believe. And, and having those kind of deeper, more meaningful conversations, again, it's a, it's such an easy way to, to, to share and, and, and connect that I think we might not take advantage of enough. And I'm not necessarily talking about myself. Um, I think something that I was always very um, lucky to have had in my life is um, I've always had deep conversations. That's not something that I've ever lacked, maybe for, with the exception for two or three months when you spend time in a different country or something. So anyway, let's not discount other um, people or underestimate their depth simply because we can't look beyond the value that they that they bring in terms of a work context or their roles, all right? So how can you look beyond some of the limitations that society or you yourself have placed on your relationships? Those were just a couple of ideas, but I'm kind of hoping that this can spur on a few more thoughts. You know, maybe I was talking very much about personal experiences here, but, you know, um, you might have think of other ways in that relational happiness can be extended and expanded. So the next is growth happiness, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because, you know, growth is part of a lot of the episodes that we have covered. So the word growing pains is familiar, but have you ever thought about how come we don't have a word that means something like, or an expression called um, growing joys or learning joys? And I'm serious, it it sounds weird, but I mean, there is deep meaningful joy in those things why why don't we express them why don't we have expressions for them and I think one of the things we should keep in mind is that even people in very dire circumstances can grow intellectually psychologically or physically Um, and we have evidence um, from people who spent time in prison who were prisoners of war uh, people who went through horrendous illnesses so Unless you are dead, there is some way that you can seize the opportunity to grow. So how do you grow? Um, You personally, what is the most recent thing you were a beginner at? Um, If nothing comes to mind, can you start something? And um, it can be as big or small as you wish. Another brand of happiness, uh, I will call it impact happiness. So I may have said this before in the podcast, I don't know, it's impossible to remember everything you blab about. And sometimes I'm in the weird position that people know better what I said than than I do myself. But um, creating this has made me more okay with the reality that I'm gonna die. And to be clear, I don't want to die, and I have no reason to believe that I will die anytime soon. Um, but the thing is that knowing that at least some of the essential knowledge and perhaps even wisdom is out there gives me a great sense of relief and contentment. And um, this is interestingly enough, it's there even if I don't get the feedback from you. But of course, if I get the feedback, I kind of know, yes. Um, this is doing what I hope and think it is doing. And knowing that some of you folks have, who I've never met have gone for a run maybe because of something they heard here or perhaps even got out of a depressive episode because they were just listening to a positive psychology podcast every day. These kind of things nobody can take away from me. And that impact happiness is something that we might not talk about 
too often although I think now meaning is a bit more of a thing I think people are more interested in discovering what meaning is and and you know philosophers are a bit more um, present on Instagram and things like that than they may have been in the in the past but there is something deeply beautiful about having an impact in a way that you think is important using the 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 strengths you have the skills you built for something that is not strictly necessary for your survival um that's what i think um impact happiness is it's not something where you're like oh i have to i have to wash myself anyway so i'm having an impact because nobody's passing out next to me because of the bad odors or something right so that's not it um impact is something that you decide um how to tackle an issue that's important not just for you but for other people as well i implore you to not measure impact um its size okay because impact can be fleeting or it can last a lifetime and if you don't have something yet that gives you a sense of impact happiness i urge you to try the eulogy exercise where you write the eulogy you wish your loved ones would read at your funeral what would you like to be remembered for what is the smallest step you can take in that direction and um, if you've ever heard of the Nobel Prize um, or prices, uh, that's actually kind of what Alfred Nobel did. Um, he he invented, uh, I believe, gunpowder or something like that. And then he it suddenly hit him one day, I don't want to be remembered as this person who enabled mass murder to happen. So um, what else can I do with also the wealth that he frankly got from that gunpowder or whatever it was that he invented. Um, and he decided that honoring and, and really kind of fostering excellence was what he wanted to be remembered for. And that's what he is remembered for today. Um, the last or final one that I want to talk about, um, flavor of happiness is spiritual happiness and i've done three episodes on spirituality already so it's clearly a huge topic in itself however what i want to encourage you to think about is this um spirituality is about feeling connected to something that's beyond your daily needs and the needs of your family um it may include the pursuit of something sacred or the creation of sacred things and sacred means removed from the mundane, so to speak. Um, this is open to anyone, even if you grew up as a hardcore atheist. That doesn't mean, or maybe you were traumatized by religion, that happens sometimes. That doesn't mean that that kind of connection um, is beyond you. Sources um, of spirituality include, um, and spiritual happiness include, um, activism. Uh, leaving, living a lifestyle you truly believe in. So being, for example, we're very conscious of um, the things you wear or how you spend your money, um, making sure that it really goes to things that are important to you. Um, there's, of course, um, regular um, traditional religion. There's things like yoga and meditation. There's communing with nature. Um, Personal crisis and a breakdown can also lead to spiritual happiness because they're off, it, it often comes with 
um, sweeping away a lot of things that are actually not that important and just um, are like these little imposters of importance in daily life but are not truly important in the long run. Um, even physical activities such as dance or uh, long distance running or parkour can lead to uh, spiritual experiences when you when you talk to people um, or athletes even um, many of them do report something like that and um, I, I don't have any specific references in my head I just know that I, I did encounter that every once in a while and also I talked about it um, on the running on the podcast episode about the running right so so yeah you might want to check that out if you're a bit skeptical about how um, spirituality and running can go together So the whole point of this episode was to make you think about various forms of happinesses and how not being too hung up on one particular flavor can keep you open and receptive for the variety of happiness that exists. Um, I don't claim this is comprehensive in any way. Maybe I missed something big. Um, If that's the case, you know, mazel tov to you. You found an important other aspect of happiness and um, go and do something with it. Uh, Don't just be smug about it. Um, here are two reviews. So the first is from Not A Yummy Mummy Yet. So yet, um, I hope that changes soon. Um, it says, I am probably, oh, and it's from Australia. All right, so I am probably quite late to this party, but the material does not date. Kristen brings fascinating topics to life with simplicity and warmth. I hope all those people I um, told about this series recently enjoy it too. Well, not a yummy mummy yet. Um, I wish you all the best with your endeavours. I hope that you will be a yummy mummy soon. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm not fussy about, you know, some people discovered it early, some did not. But I'm happy that you think it doesn't date. Um, It is something that I actually make an effort to do. So I, I try to really not be too topical because that's precisely what I'm hoping for that you can listen to this you know four years later or 10 years later or maybe even you know 20 years later and some of it or a lot of it is still relevant and the next review comes from Rosie from the US and she says it's soul healing I'm so happy to listen to this podcast every day it has helped me to go through some very rough days and I love listening to Kristen's voice well thank you Rosie um i hope that there are only that the rough days get fewer and if they don't that your skills to handle them get better and um thanks for listening every day you know this actually gives me the opportunity to thank all these hardcore people who are just you know some of you have been listening um almost since the very beginning back in 2014 2015 or some of you um maybe tuned in later but actually make the effort to go back and listen to the to the back catalog and and that is something that is amazing to me nowadays because if you look at it everything is really kind of focused on the content from you know that that just came out recently and i think there's something about podcasting as a medium and podcast listeners in particular and I'm not saying this to suck up I honestly think um, I'm not sure that that many other things where people actually go back and voluntarily listen to you know 30 episodes of something that's four years old 
So if that's you, um, if you're the kind of person who's really very loyal, has listened to more than, you know, um, 15 or 20 episodes, um, thank you so, so much. Uh, I'm very glad that um, people like you, Rosie, uh, get to feel better and get something out of it. And I think that's what we're here for, aren't we? To, to use what we know and what we can do and what we love to do to kind of delight each other and make things a bit easier. All right, so talk to all of you soon and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.